Welcome to Zichu Daf Simani Member by Ram Goldai, and today Musakas Baba Kama Daf Tazayin. The first parak Arba Avos. The first parak is sponsored by Mr. and Mrs. Moshe and Devorah Smith and is dedicated to our courageous soldiers of Saul, the remarkable citizens of Israel, and to all incredible Jewish people. May Kosh Baruch Hu watch over all of us and grant Israel a complete victory over Hamas and the return of all the hostages safely. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, the mission on the previous daf taught that an animal is not a muad, gearboats, to squat on objects and destroy them. Moazer says, They only taught this in regard to large jugs because it's unusual for an animal to squat on them. But regarding small jugs, it is normal for an animal to squat on them. Such damage would be exempt in Roshus of Rabim and paid in full in Roshus of Yachid as a told of Regal. The Gemara suggests support from Abraisa. An animal is moved to walk in its normal way and break things. And to crush a person, an animal, or utensils. Now, since the Mishnah taught that an animal is not a mood to crush utensils through squatting, we must differentiate between small and large jugs, as Rabbalazar did. The proof is rejected. Perhaps the case is where it crushed utensils from the side against a wall, where squatting on any utensil may be unusual. In another version, Rebozer said that Mishnah's ruling does apply even to small jugs, and it's always unusual. Pointing with Tushmul says, Where a lion attacks an animal in Rabbim, If it seized it and ate it while it was alive, its owner is exempt. But if it tore the animal to death and then ate it, he's chayev. Now, since it's normal for a lion to seize and devour its prey alive, it's the equivalent of an animal eating produce, which is exempt as shane in Rabbim. Tearing the prey to death first is unusual for a lion and is classified as karen and chaya for half damages in Rishus Arabi. The Gemara addresses several psukim which imply that a lion does commonly tear its prey to death. Shmuel's challenge from Abraith, which states that if a chaya, a wild animal, entered someone's chatzer, tarfa behem of basar, and tore an animal and ate the meat, mishalm nezik shalom, its owner pays full damages. The generic term chaya implies that even for a lion, one pays full damages for tearing, which proves that it's normal. The Gemara ultimately answers to read the Brisa as two cases, that the wild animal tore it to store it, or or it seized it and ate it. And point number three, the next mission states, What's the difference between the loss of a tam and a muad? Only that regarding a tam, one pays half damages from the animal's body, meaning the payment is limited to the value of the damaging animal. Whereas regarding a muad, one pays full damages from the aliyah, even if it exceeds his animal's value. Rabbi explains the term aliyah with the choices of his property, meaning edis. Similarly, a Pasuk describes that Chizki HaMelech was buried David in the Ma'aleh of the graves of David's descendants, which Rabbi he was buried next to the finest members of his family, whom he identifies as David and Shlomo. So once again, the three points are number one. The Mishnah on the previous daf taught that an animal is not a muad lirboats to squat on objects and destroy them. Moazer says, They only taught this in regard to large jugs because it's unusual for an animal to squat on them. But regarding small jugs, it is normal for an animal to squat on them. Such damage would be exempt in Roshus of Rabim and paid in full in Roshus of Yachid as a told of Regal. The Gemara suggests support from Abraisa. An animal is moved to walk in its normal way and break things. And to crush a person, an animal, or utensils. Now, since the Mishnah taught that an animal is not a muad to crush utensils through squatting, we must differentiate between small and large jugs, as Rabbi Lazar did. 
The proof is rejected. Dilma Minatsad, perhaps the case is where a crushed utensils from the side against a wall, where squatting on any utensil may be unusual. In another version, Rabozo said that Mishnah's ruling does apply even to small jugs, and it's always unusual. Pointing with Tushmul says, Ari Rabim, where a lion attacks an animal in Rushusa Rabim, Darsva Achopater, if it seized it and ate it what was alive, its owner is exempt. But if it tore the animal to death and then ate it, he's chayev. Now, since it's normal for a lion to seize and devour its prey alive, it's the equivalent of an animal eating produce, which is exempt as shane in Rishus of Rabim. Tearing the prey to death first is unusual for a lion and is classified as karen and chayev for half damages in Rishus of Rabim. The Gemara addresses several psukim which imply that a lion does commonly tear its prey to death. Shmuel Shalashmuel Bryce, which states that if a chaya, a wild animal, entered someone's chatzer, tarfa behemav achlebasser, and tore an animal and ate the meat, mishalm nezik shalom, its owner pays full damages. The generic term chaya implies that even for a lion, one pays full damages for tearing, which proves that it's normal. The more ultimately answer is to read the Bryce as two cases, shatarfa lehanich, that the wild animal tore it to store it, or darsa ba'achlo, or it seized it and ate it. And point number three, the next mission states, What's the difference between the loss of a tam and a muad? Only that regarding a tam, one pays half damages from the animal's body, meaning the payment is limited to the value of the damaging animal. Whereas regarding a muad, one pays full damages from the aliyah, even if it exceeds his animal's value. Rabbi explains the term aliyah with the choices of his property, meaning edis. Similarly, a Pasuk describes that Chizki HaMelech was buried by Malal Kibre B'nai David in the Ma'aleh of the graves of David's descendants, which Rabbi Lezer explains, He was buried next to the finest members of his family, whom he identifies as David and Shlomo. All right, so now we go to Simadav Tezayin, and our standard Simon is toes, and we often use an acrobat with large toes. So here goes. When the acrobat's ox, who also had large toes, hopped onto the large jugs in Rishus Rabim and destroyed them, to avoid the lion who was seizing animals to eat them, the acrobat saved the ox by dropping the Mabeng Tanula Muad sign on top of the lion. Once again, it's slow motion. When the acrobat's ox, who also had large toes, acrobat, large toes, that must be on top Tezayin. When the acrobat's ox, who also had large toes, hopped onto the large jugs in Rishus Rabim and destroyed them, which reminds us, the more discusses whether an animal is moored to squat on jugs and if there's enough gamina between large and small jugs. So when the acrobat's ox, who also had large toes, hopped onto the large jugs in Rishus Rabim and destroyed them, to avoid the lion who was seizing animals, to eat them, which reminds us, Shmuel says, Ari Brushus Rabim, where a lion attacks an animal, in Rushus Rabim, Dars Va'achal Pater, if it seized it and ate it what was alive, its owner is exempt, Tarfa Achal Chayv, but if it tore the animal to death and then ate it, he's Chayv. Since it's normal for a lion to seize and devour its prey alive, it's the equivalent of an animal eating produce, which is exempt as Shane in Rushus Rabim. Tearing the prey to death first is unusual for a lion and is classified as Karen and as Chayv half damages in Rishus Rabim. So when the acrobat's ox, who also had large toes, hopped onto the large jugs in Rishus Rabim and destroyed them, to avoid the lion who was seizing animals to eat them, the acrobat saved the ox by dropping the Ma'ben Tamla Muad sign on top of the lion, which reminds us. The next Mishnah states, Ma'ben Tamla Muad, what's the difference between the laws of a Tam and a Muad? Only that regarding a tam, one pays half damages from the animal's body, meaning the payment is limited to the value of the damaging animal. Whereas regarding a muad, one pays full damages from the aliyah, 
even if it exceeds his animal's value. So once again, when the acrobat's ox, who also had large toes, hopped onto the large jugs in Ushuz of Rabim and destroyed them, to avoid the lion who was seizing animals to eat them, the acrobat saved the ox by dropping the Mabin Tamlamuot sign on top of the lion. All right, so now it's time for Porbalabach Hazara. Dafyud Base. So the Zim Dafyud Base is 12 brothers. So here goes. The boy who picked up an Evid holding a microwave oven to show his 11 brothers. Boy, 11 brothers? That must be on Dafyud Base. 12 brothers. The boy who picked up an Evid holding a microwave oven to show his 11 brothers. And Evid is like Karka in terms of acquiring metaltoline with a Kenyanaga, which reminds us the more discusses if Avadim are like Karka regarding acquiring metaltoline along with them. So the boy who picked up an Evid holding a microwave oven to show his 11 brothers and Evid is like Karka in terms of acquiring metaltoline with a Kenyanaga accidentally dropped him on a live Bechor, making him chayv to pay damages, which reminds us the Mishan Duff Tesama based taught that one is only chayv for damages to properties which are not subject to Me'ila. Now this implies that even if they're hectish, one would be high for damaging them, provided they're not subject to Me'ila. Rabbi Yochan explains that the mission refers to Kashim Kalim, Karbanas of lesser Kedusha, such as Shami Morbachor, and follows the opinion of Yossi Agli, who holds the Kachim Kalim Mamun Balimhu. It's the personal property of the owner. So the boy who picked up an Evid holding a microwave oven to show his 11 brothers, an Evid is like Karka in terms of acquiring metaltoline, with the Kenyan Agav, accidentally dropped him on a live before, making him chayev to pay damages to the cone who's trying to sell it since... Nowadays, it belongs to him, which reminds us, a Mishnah teaches that an unblemished Bechor may be sold by a Kohen while it's alive, and a blemished one may be sold even after Shechita. Rav Nachman explained this refers to a Bechor nowadays, which cannot be sacrificed and so belongs to a Kohen. Still, if it was shechted without a blemish, it's prohibited in benefit as a carbon shechted outside the Mikdash. While the Beits of Mikdash are standing, a live unblemished Bechor does not belong personally to the Kohen. Rav Nachman was challenged from Rav Yossi Agui, who considers Kachim Kohen to be personal property, even when the Beits of Mikdash are standing. Rav answers Rav Yossi discussed is a Bechor outside Eretz Yisrael, which Rabbi Shimon holds should not be brought to Eretz Yisrael to be sacrificed, and is therefore the Kohen's property. Daf Yud Gimel, so the Zimmer Daf Yud Gimel is a Bar Mitzvah boy. So here goes. The Bar Mitzvah boy, Bar Mitzvah boy, that must be on Daf Yud Gimel. The Bar Mitzvah boy, whose first ever Shlami, which was a Tom Gord, making Mechayev to pay half damages from the meat, but not from the Amorim, which reminds us, Rabbi Abba said, Shlami Sheheziku, of a Shlami animal, which is a Tom, damages, Govim Vesarin, he may collect half damages from its meat, which the owner normally eats, Vena Govim Amorim, but cannot collect from its Amorim, the part sacrificed on the Mizbeach. Although this seems obvious, since Amorim are brought on the Mizbeach, Rabbi Abba meant, he cannot even collect from the meat corresponding to the value of the Amorim, which cannot be collected, and only collects half of the meat. So the Bar Mitzvah boy, whose first ever Shlamim, which was a Tam Gord, making Mechayev to pay half damages from the meat, but not from the Emorim, was in the midst of admitting to a rabbi it was Nechazim Yuchadim, and not Hefker, which reminds us, the Mishnah Daf Tazama based taught that damage payments only applied to Nechazim Yuchadim, privately owned properties, and three interpretations are given, the second one being Pratla Nechzei Hefker, the mission is excluding ownerless properties. The more explains the cases where an ownerless animal damaged an owned one, and someone else acquired it. The damaged party has no claim to the animal, which was unowned at the time of the damage. So, the Bar Mitzvah boy, whose first ever Shlamim, which was a Tom Gord, making Mechaev to pay half damages on the meat, but not the Amorim, was in the midst of admitting to a rabbi it was Nachasim Yuchadim, and not Hefker. When all of a sudden he noticed the pet goat was eating the Nizak's produce in the Chatzar's family jointly owned with the Nizak, which reminds us that Gamor brings the Machokas of a jointly owned Chatzar is exempt from Shane and Regal. Daf Yadal, so the similar Daf Yadal is a yada hand, and we often use a juggler. So here goes. When a cow ate the juggler's fruit juggler, that must be more on Daf Yadal, yad hand.
When a cow ate the juggler's fruit, he juggled, that was kept in a jointly owned chutzer designated for fruit, but not oxen, which reminds the Gmur discusses the case of a chutzer, which is miyuchedes peres venu miyuchedes shvarim, designated for produce, but not for oxen. Since the oxen are not permitted to be rotten by the partners of this chutzer, the damage is considered to take place in another's field, and one is liable for shame and regal. So when a cow ate the juggler's fruit, he juggled, that was kept in a jointly owned chutzer, designated for fruit, but not oxen. The juggler realized he would get paid for the damage minus the value of the muzik's window he broke while performing his juggling act, which reminds us. The next Mishnah lists several rules about payments of damages. And the more explains each one. The first is Shum Kesev. Payment is based on monetary assessment. Rebut explains Shum Zet Loyel Bekesev. Their assessment of damages should only be based on the amount of money lost. So when a cow ate the juggler's fruit, he juggled that was kept in a jointly owned chutzer, designated for fruit. But not oxen. The juggler realized he would get paid for the damage minus the value of the mazik's window he broke while performing his juggling act. For the Yasomi who only paid their father's obligations from land they inherited, not metaltly. Which reminds us, the next phrase in the Mishnah is Shavakesim. Payment is made with something worth money. Abrais explains it means that payment is only from Nechassim, Sheishem Achrayis, meaning land. Still, if the damaged party went first and sees Matatli and movable items, Basin Govinulamahan, Basin collects for him from them. In a Bryce we learned regarding orphans of the responsible party, they only pay the father's obligations from land they inherited and not Matatli. Dav Tezvav. So the Simon Dav Tezvav is a fruit bowl because Tezvav reminds us of Tubishvat. Tubishvat reminds us of fruit, and we use a fruit bowl to make the Simon more distinct. So here goes. The woman who discovered that women are also hyphen damages when she dropped and smashed her friend's fruit bowl, fruit bowl, that must be one Dav Tezvav. Tubishvat relates to fruit, fruit bowl. The woman who discovered that women are also hyphen damages when she dropped and smashed her friend's fruit bowl, which reminds us, Gamor brings sources that women are also hyphen damages in monetary law as well in liability for their murder. So the woman who discovered that women are also hyphen damages when she dropped and smashed her friend's fruit bowl was informed that because of Chetzinezekanas, which reminds us, the Gamor presents Machokas about Palkaniska, the half damages payment for when a tum animal damages. Rav Papa says, Mamona, it's a monetary payment of liability. And Rafuna Braid Rav Yeshua says, Kanasa, it's a penalty. A nafkamina is where one admits that his animal damaged with care because one does not pay a kanas based on his admission. The Gemara concludes that Chetzinezek is a kanas. So the woman who discovered that women are also hyphen damages when she dropped and smashed her friend's fruit bowl was informed that because Chetzinezek kanas, a court date was set in the Eretz because it seems her little cat was guilty of killing and eating someone's large chickens. Which reminds us, the Gemara says that since the lucky is that Chetzinezek is a kanas, if a dog killed and ate a sheep or a cat killed and ate large chickens, it's an unusual damage and we do not collect in Bavo. Collection of any kanas requires judges with smicha, which is only given in Eretz Yisrael. Still, if the victim sees property of the damaging party, we don't take it away from him. Also, if the victim requested a court date in Eretz Yisrael to make his claim before judges with smicha, we set a date for him. And if the damaging party does not go, we place a ban upon him. Alright, so now it's time to conclude with our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number 1. Which stuff do you discuss with the dins regarding an animal squatting on jugs, large or small? That's on Duff. Tezine. Good number 2. Which stuff do you discuss, Shum if the damages are assessed on a monetary basis? That's on Duff. Yadal. Good number 3. Which stuff do you in the source that women are also high for damages? That's on Duff. Tezva. Good number four. Which stuff to discuss what one is high for when a lion eats its prey and the nafkamina and how the lion kills and eats it? That's on Duff. Tezai. Good number five. Which stuff do we learn? A person who digs the tenth tefach in a pit is high if an animal falls in and dies. That's on Duff. 
Yud. Good number six. Which that they have three different interpretations of what Nechasim Miuchadim means. That's on Dav. Yud Gimel. Good number seven. Which Dav to be Machok is if Nezek is Mamun or Knas. That's on Dav. Tezbav. Good number eight. Which Dav to be Machok is whether a Shomer who gets another Shomer to watch the item is high for damages. That's on Dav. Yidav. Good number nine. Which stuff do you learn that a shlamim tam the damages we collect from its meat, but not from its emurim? That's on daf. Yud gimel. Good number ten. Which stuff do you discuss what the difference is between tam and muad? That's on daf. Tezayin. Excellent. That concludes today's year. This is everybody. Ramgold from Zichu. Wishing you a great day and great learning.